You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Talking About podcast. I'm Sean Kennedy. The Sixers are currently 46 and 30, fourth place in the Eastern Conference, two and a half back of first place Miami. They're in the midst of a three game losing streak, following up somewhat excusable losses to Phoenix and Milwaukee, with what you could argue was the most embarrassing loss of the season Thursday night in Detroit. Rejoining me on the pod to discuss all that and more is Liberty Baller's own Dave Early. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good um, on the Sixers adjusted scale, but let, let's start with this recent three game losing streak, Dave. Uh, how worried are you or I guess should the general Sixers fan base be about what we've seen this last week? Uh, very, very worried. I mean, if you if you are all in for a championship, they are, you know, it's fair to say that they're playing like the fifth best team in their own conference. Who would so I, I imagine the heat you would have the Heat Bucks and Celtics, who would be the other team you'd have ahead of ahead Brooklyn. of them? Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, I like just based on how teams are playing recently, I'd probably also throw Toronto. Like Toronto's looked really good lately. And since they got everyone back healthy and I think they're eight and two in their last ten. Uh, so we're we're gonna talk about how the standings might shake out later, but I, I'm personally worried about a Toronto potential first round series. Um, but yeah, also the Bucks just looked great in their win over the Sixers earlier this week. Uh, the Heat and the, the Nets based on their their systems and star power they have. That's they're always gonna be some 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 teams you have to worry about. Uh Boston, I guess it all kind of hinges on the Robert Williams injury. And I think they were rising up as as a maybe a favorite even in the east to emerge out of the east but uh i think that that injury really is a setback for them he, he might be back by the second round of the playoffs so we'll have to see how that that plays out but yeah the sixers yeah that's that's Sorry. fair if you uh if you take out robert williams the sixers might might be able to surpass the celtics i still think the sixers would beat <laughs> the raptors in a series um but i but i couldn't argue that they're playing better right now than the heat bucks and nets so somewhere around the fourth or the fifth best i guess yeah I, we'll talk about we'll talk about sixers raptors potentially later because we're gonna talk about first round playoff matchups and everything that, that might arise but re- regarding this recent three game losing streak the phoenix loss was whatever phoenix is clearly the best team in the league playing playing excellent basketball right now they were in Phoenix Sixers played pretty well and you know Phoenix like they so often do this season just played amazing the last five minutes of the fourth quarter in crunch time and 
they came away with the win. So you just kind of tip your cap and move on. The Milwaukee loss, though, that was concerning in that a lot of the issues we kind of have with with Doc and late game execution with the team that that kind of reared its head. We saw the the stretch where Giannis really went off against Paul Millsap and the non Embiid Harden lineup towards the the end of the third and then beginning of the fourth quarter and that turned the tide of the game. So that was Doc not making the the adjustments quickly enough in game like we've wanted to see from in the past. It's it's him not having the backup center situation figured out to our satisfaction. Um, and then end of the game is this, you know, just with, if, if Harden's not going to be this amazing crunch time scorer, it, it just becomes difficult to generate offense. Like it always has um, in the Embiid era late in games, because Joel is tired from working on both ends all game. You, you know, you, He's a big man, and the conditioning as the game wears on starts to take a little bit of a toll, all that banging down low in the paint and battling for position for 30-some minutes. So he's sometimes a little less effective, and when defenses are keyed in, the Sixers just have too many parts that teams can either ignore or help off, or it it just makes things really difficult in in half-court settings and crunch time, which is kind of what translates to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you touched on a, on a lot of things that, like you said, have been bugging us and, or scaring us for some time. I guess ever since the trade, and we felt like this is the team they're going to roll with. So these are the these are the weak strengths and weaknesses, and, and the weaknesses came to light over this losing streak and and loom large for these playoffs. Um, and Harden is at the top of the list there in terms of concerns for sure. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more. Um... I know the Harden hamstring thing has been something you've been tracking because you've been following Harden in Brooklyn all season prior to his arrival here in Philly. Has Harden supplanted Embiid as the guy we worry most about after every awkward fall or collision? It used to be Joel, and we would all hold our breath whenever he hit the floor. It seems like he's done a better job of learning how to to fall safely than he did in his earlier years and and Harden had the there's the play I, th- I think they said he got hit in the groin so maybe that's just all it was but he he fell and didn't get back on defense because he was in a lot of pain and then he was kind of standing in the corner wincing on the next offensive possession so it seems like there's at least one of those plays a game now where he he kind of grabs at his leg or I <laughs> Is this, I mean, you've, you've written about this. Is this something that is going to go away or is this just going to be in the back of fans' minds for the rest of the season? I'll be honest with you. You know, I covered him in Brooklyn to begin the year and I have watched him with his hamstrings in mind the entirety of the season. You know, coming into the season, I was, I heard that he was rehabbing it all summer long. So I'm, I'm watching him and he had a game against Detroit that that meme went viral where there was a loose ball right there and he didn't even go for it. Um, People love to troll on this player, especially. So they're like, Oh, he's a lazy, you know, but I, I think it's, it goes back to that. So, you know, not being a doctor, I'm thinking that this is the kind of thing where if we were back in November, they would give him some time off, but because the playoffs are right here, there was before last night, 
um, you know, a very clear path to the one seed, which at this point looks to me like you would also get to dodge Brooklyn, which is very, a very valuable thing that Milwaukee's positioning themselves for. So is Miami. Um, but they've got this guy that Keith Pompey was writing about Simon Rice, whose strategy or, you know, approach to it is push. And that's why he was doing some stair sprints. Um, it wasn't simply like, oh, I'm going to show the, the Philly fans I'm Rocky and I'm trying to get back <laughs> in shape. It was, no? <laughs> it was like pre and post game. This needs conditioning to that degree where you go the other way and you don't rest. I'm thinking that's where they're going. And then it's had some, some fair response. You know, like we were really worried that he was pawing at it in Phoenix. And then he has one of his very best games as a sixer the next game. And I was like, oh, maybe this thing is going to work. Um, but then all too often, he has an absolute stinker in the next game where you're worried about his hamstrings the whole game. So, yeah, has he supplanted Embiid as a guy you worry about? Yeah, Joel still worries me when he does those crazy dunks. Like he had, he took a hard fall after a big dunk. But Harden, I'm on pure hamstring watch. Like, And it's a loose ball, whether or not he, he makes a burst for like a 10-yard burst. That's what worries me. Yeah, and it does seem like the burst has kind of come and gone from game to game. He, he looked good in the Milwaukee game, and then the second half of the Detroit game, just kind of non-existent as, as far as his explosiveness. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's I guess this is the bed that the Sixers and Daryl Morey have chosen to lie in because if Harden isn't playing to the top, the 10% of his, the top 10% of his ability, which we've seen at times during his Sixers tenure. But if, if he's not, then the Sixers just don't have a chance anyway. Um, and yeah, that if, if he's out, then that's, that's curtains for the season. Um, if the hamstring flares up and he has to miss any time, because not only do they lose what he brings to the table, but they, they lost Seth and, and Andre to bring him in in the first place. So the depth is already not there. And if you lost him, like it would just be a, a crater of a roster that would be left for, for Joel to drag around very reminiscent of their first round sweep a couple years ago. Um, so, so speaking of things that could go badly, do you think there's a scenario or do you think it's realistic to have the discussion of whether doc rivers would be fired at the end of the season? think it's the likeliest outcome right now um correct me if i'm wrong but they still have brett brown on the payroll don't they (laughs) i don't know is brett still on the payroll i don't know but i do see people talk about that on twitter so it's either uh it's either true or a myth um and an ongoing joke but i think yeah you're right it was uh, so i just i just googled it real quick yeah brett he had signed a contract extension through the 2021-22 season so this this is the last year he's on payroll so yeah so that piece of information alone has me leaning that doc is safe which i think is why daryl understands that he has no incentive to rock the boat if he's here either way he might as well give offer nothing but praise on record and off the record. And so we've heard no whispers, even though so often fans are pulling their hair out for very good reason. I don't, you know, I know there's going to be a subset of fans who wanted Brett Brown gone, even when he was coaching. Well, I know there's a subset of fans who want Doc gone and think he's to blame for everything, 
but I think there are fair critics of Doc Rivers. And I think that those people have had fair critiques going back like, you know, seven, eight years now. And it's not just what he's done in the Sixers that people can credibly point to as a problem. Whether or not that results in a change, maybe if there was a first round knockout, but I wonder, like, would that ding their bottom line? Would, would owners say, like, well, you want X amount for repeater tax fees. If we keep Danny Green, that's $10 million, but it'll cost us $40 million. And now you want a new coach, so Doc gets X. Therefore, you can't have this other thing you're asking for. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a calculus like that, but that's the kind of thinking that gets me back at Doc's return no matter what. Um, and assuming the Sixers do get out of the first round, because I still think that's more likely than not likely at this point, then he would get another shot. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if they get, yeah, if they reach the second round, the East is so deep this year that any second round matchup would be viewed as fairly even. It wouldn't be like last year where the Sixers would have lost to Atlanta and everyone considered that this huge disappointment. Like if they reach the second round, it's probably playing a Milwaukee, a Milwaukee, or a Miami or a Brooklyn where you say, Oh, well, it could go either way, but it, as long as it's not like a sweep or something, it's not going to be like an embarrassment if they lose that series. Uh, whereas a first round series, maybe you can start having that discussion um, if it's, if it's really ugly, but second round and they can always say like, well, the James and Joel didn't have more than a month or six, six, six to eight weeks to, to really, you know, play together and, and learn each other's tendencies. And with a full season together, we'll expect better things next year. And you, you can already hear all that being said. Um, but yeah, uh, you brought up Brett still being on the books. So maybe they're okay paying two coaches at once, but if it Brett's off the books this season, so maybe that would make it okay to pay both doc and a, a new coach that they bring in next year. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's, I, I think one more year with, Harden and Embiid together would be the the leash that they would offer Doc to to go go forward and say, hey, we'll give you a full year with these two guys. Uh, unless it was just super ugly and embarrassing in the first round this year, but I, I wouldn't really anticipate that happening. But we'll the other, see. This, this the Sixers have embarrassed us before. <laughs> the other uh, the other way to go would be if there was not a ton of embarrassment. Let's say Daryl was very, very frustrated. Let's say he went to Doc months ago and said, look, I got you these, I got you five centers because I was hoping you'd experiment with them. And you didn't do that. And I try, you know, like a, a money ball type of situation where the front office clashes with the, with the management. And he's frustrated and he would say, you know, James, you have a lot of leverage before you sign your max extension or whatever you're going to get from the front office, uh, you know, are, is Doc Rivers the coach that you and Joel Embiid feel comfortable with? So if he answered no to that, um, then, you know, James would hold all the cards in that moment before he signed. That's an interesting point. Uh, maybe, a, I, don't, I don't know what their relationship was towards the end, but like a, a Mike D'Antoni Harden reunion from Houston and D'Antoni was obviously a guy that was in involved in discussions for the Sixers head coach job in the past. That could be a name that gets thrown out there. Um, but yeah, Harden, Harden would definitely have some sway in the organization if they presented it to him in such a fashion. So that's interesting to consider. Um, 
All right, we're going to take a quick break now and hear from our sponsor. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Joel Embiid and the recent MVP discussions that have taken place. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, and we're back. So, Quint Coincidentally or not, Joel, given what the team has done in the last week, Joel Embiid is no longer the odds zone favorite in across the multiple sports books that are out there. Nikola Jokic back to being the favorite. It's kind of come at a weird time because Joel has been making uh, what you wrote about for Liberty Ballers, Dave, as his, as his media tour push for to kind of make his case for the MVP. He's been peering on. Uh, various podcasts, one of which was uh, JJ Reddick's, uh, and he made a, a late late show appearance with James Corden, and it's been fun because it, it's always fun to hear Joel show different sides of himself. He's an incredibly charismatic, engaging, intelligent individual. So I like I like hearing from him in other settings than talking about uh, the game twenty minutes after it happened, but it's kind of come at a weird time because he's plummeted in the, the MVP conversation based on where he was a month ago. And he, he went from the, the clear odds on favorite to it looks with six games for the Sixers remaining, like, like Jokic is going to win his back-to-back MVP award. Now, I don't know, Dave, what do you, what do you think happened to go from one month to the next of Embiid? going from clear favorite to clear runner-up. Um, and, and do you think, I, I guess you do think that this was a, a, an MVP push for him with this media tour. It, it kind of feels like maybe it's going to fall short. What do you think about what's been going on? Yeah, I think um, I think it's very, very, very narrative-based. I think there were a lot of undecided voters who really began paying attention when Jokic came to Philly and got that win. It was an ugly, ugly loss. The Sixers led by like, I don't know, 20 points in that game in the second quarter, maybe. And, you know, the Sixers have now lost three in a row. They lost a couple of their big head-to-head matchups where the national TV audience watches. He lost Giannis as well. Uh, I think that people baked in some different expectations for how James Harden would change things. If the Sixers had gotten the one seed or the two seed and Denver wound up in the play-in or a six as a six, I think they would have voted for Embiid. 
Um, but as these two teams sort of creep towards each other and, you know, the Sixers are looking like maybe a four seed and Denver could get a six or maybe even a five, um, more of the narrative goes in his favor. You could say, oh, he was missing Jamal Murray. He's missing Michael Porter Jr. for the entire season, blah, blah, blah. And I guess that that is why we're seeing these straw polls and these odds changing. He also has some late season triple doubles and a win. Um, you know, you hate to say it because it's probably based too much on little things. Like Joel didn't look to see how much time was remaining. So he threw up a layup that Giannis blocked. If he saw there was four seconds when he caught it, he would have dunked it. And maybe he'd have the one seed in the MVP here. So we're talking about an absurd thing that's, you know, waffling on like a single play sometimes, but I guess that's how they do it. Yeah. It's the, the, the margins are so razor thin because all of these guys are having incredible seasons and depending on how you parse the data, you can make the case for any of them. Uh, looking it, just at a snapshot of the Milwaukee six Sixers game earlier this week, like you would just say, oh, it should be Giannis again because he was pretty clearly the the best player on the floor that night. And it's a shame because reportedly Joel was sick. And I know like he, he had Dayquil in the locker room with him and just he 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 sounded really under the weather. So you hate that it in this huge stage that carried so much narrative weight, like he wasn't hit a hundred percent and able to play up to his full cap full capability. But, you know, Giannis played incredibly well and he, he has the stats again, like, and, but, and he's third. So people that are supporting Jokic for say, well, well, look, Embiid went head to head with this guy that isn't even considered top two right now. And Giannis was the clear best player on the court. And yeah, it's not fair that what Joel did on a random night against the bulls in January doesn't carry as much weight as these recent games against Denver or Milwaukee, but that's, that's just how it shapes out. This is, this is what the award's based on. It's, it's not some finely tuned algorithm that determines it. It's voters making a decision often the last month or so of the season, especially if it's this close, how it has been. So uh, yeah, it and just how many how many of those voters watch Embiid as often as we do too? I don't know. Right, yeah, they're 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 checking these nationally televised games more often than not. I mean, every fan base is watching their own team eighty times a year, but yeah, like how many how many times have Sixers fans watched Nuggets games? Probably less than ten, I would imagine. Like, so I remember the season <laughs> James Harden in twenty seventeen was one of the favorites for MVP, one of his best seasons of his career. I thought him and Kawhi might actually split it. Have they ever split the honor? I think John Stockton and Carl Malone might have split an all-star game MVP or something. Jason Kidd and Grant Hill are rookie of the year. I don't know if they've done MVP sharing, but I thought Harden and Kawhi could share it that year. All of a sudden, Russell Westbrook hits a game winner and then averages a triple-double, and then they gave it to him, and I thought that was a – sort of a robbery and narrative-based switch. Yeah, exactly. So that was just some kind of arbitrary... Well, I mean, it, it's a threshold. Like, why would averaging 20, 10, and 10 be better than averaging 28, 12, and 8? But exactly. just because it's it's round numbers, 
10 so, across the board, it's, it, it carries this, this kind of weight that it, it wouldn't otherwise. And, and that, yeah, you're right. That's, that's just a narrative that people construct. So the other thing you brought up regarding the standings, it was much different if the Sixers were a top two seed in the East and Denver was down at six. But right now, look, as you said, looking at the standings, the, the Nuggets are tied with Utah for, for fifth. So if they're five and Sixers are four, then there's nothing separating Jokic and Embiid in terms of team success, really. So then you look at more of the stats and you say, well, Jokic does have a lot of metrics in his favor that Embiid doesn't. And it, you can make the argument that Jokic had less help, especially once James Harden arrived in Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, it's just, it just things, it seems like things have really swung against Embiid in a number of ways in the last couple of weeks. Um, he hasn't been playing at the level he was back in January, early February. He's had some off shooting nights. Uh, there's been some nights where Harden has been the best player on the team and it, things have kind of run through him more so than Joel and the team hasn't had consistent success. You know, they're on this three-game losing streak. They're five and five in their last 10. They're, they're back down to fourth in the conference. So all of these things compile together, and you're, you're talking about a race that was a toss-up, and people were still making up their minds about it, and, you know, that's, that's where things are left. So I, I think the Detroit loss last night was kind of the nail in the coffin. If the Sixers had had this easy slate ahead of them to end of the season, had gone – six and one or something and Embiid had averaged 35 to 40 and just really crushed it, then I think that would have been maybe his best shot to, to regain pole position. But even though he had, we had 30, a few hours, we had a few hours where the Sixers had a, you know, a lead over Detroit and the Brooklyn Nets had a lead over Milwaukee. I mean, the Nets had a comfortable lead. And then if that had played out uh, that way, then the Sixers would be a lot closer to that one seed right now. That's tough. Yeah. Well, that's why you, you can't blow fourth quarter leads to teams that are 14th in the conference. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, uh, nothing good ever comes to that. Um, so we, we talked about this a bit in the past, but do you, do you think there's a chance that is, is this MB's last best chance to win an MVP? Do you, do you think this was his, his one and only window? I mean, that's the safe bet, unfortunately. You know, if he had stayed healthy the second half of the year in 2019 or 2021, I think he would have had a good shot in both of those seasons as well. So projecting a guy to be the most valuable player in the entire NBA, as good as it is, is never safe. Um, so, yeah, if you're, if you're projecting odds, this is his best chance right now for the rest of his career. Doesn't certainly doesn't mean he he can or won't. I mean, he might turn around next year and run away with it. But yeah, he could go into the lab with Drew Hanlon this summer and like perfect the the hardened step back three that he's kind of jokingly worked on in practice or whatever. Like that could just be part of his repertoire next season. Like, and it's crazy to think that, but if we look from one season to the next, he he has just added something that you're just kind of blown away by each each year. That's just what he does. He he absorbs and just something that wasn't there before suddenly becomes an integral part of his game. Like he's that savant, like in his, his approach to things. So yeah, you, you hate to rule it out, but 
the fact that you know Harden Harden will more than likely I know he has to sign the extension or whatever else going forward that's not set in stone, but he's more than likely on the team going forward. Uh, the the Embiid having to carry everything himself narrative wouldn't then be there. That would make the MVP push even harder for him in a in a story sense. So yeah, this this seemed like it was the year and everything was lining up for it, and then. I don't know. Things just weirdly kind of fell apart these last few weeks. I think the path would be the other way, not the guy carrying everything. I think it would be he'd have to go for like the Devin Booker narrative where everyone else is good. Harden stays. He comes back maybe 12 pounds lighter, which has had a full summer to get that hamstring right. And he comes back similar to Chris Paul, who had a grade two hamstring at the end of 2018. That's what Harden had in 2021. And then Harden had a compensation hamstring this year. That's what Chris Paul did in 2019. So but Chris Paul has clearly put that behind him. He's right back to the top of all NBA status. If Harden did something like that, and the Sixers ironed out their end of bench, maybe they got Harden on less than a full max and could add some snipers to put around them that they could leave out there um, and fill those bench units, maybe took care of the backup center. Sixers could win the one seed with Joel simply being their best player and a leading scorer, even if he wasn't as valuable as he was in 2022, then he would have that narrative, the best player on the best team combined with his lifetime achievement award. I think he would win it then. That's fair. Yeah. The, if, if the Sixers were just a 60 win team or something and Embiid was their best player, then that, that guy is always going to be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. What do you what do you make of the so you mentioned Booker? What do you make of his down ballot MVP case? I, I think it's a little I don't know overblown because I do think the, the the Suns are more of a sum of their parts, and Paul is you can kind of make the argument Paul is slightly more important than Booker. Um, although they did play well in Paul's absence, so maybe that does help Booker. But I, I guess that just speak more towards what you're saying like hey pick a pick a guy from the the best team and he and he just deserves to be in the conversation as a result but i don't i i feel like i i wouldn't put him like fourth or fifth in mvp voting i think there's at, at least a half dozen players in the league that are more impactful than devin booker but i i does that do you agree with that or you just you think yeah but they're the best team, so they deserve to have somebody in that in that spot. No, I'm with you. I answer it personally more by, were you the best player this year? That's how I like to ask it. And like you say, for me, he's pretty clearly not. I mean, the top three tier, he's far from that. Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, these guys are the best players this regular season, uh, and he's not in that conversation to me. But I'm okay with that guy always having some, some case. It just feels like he went from underrated when they stunk to now overrated as part of this MVP conversation. So that's my feelings on it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess, I guess there's no harm in saying somebody from the best team should at least be fifth or something in, in down balloting, but I don't know for me, like Paul still has such a huge impact. And then after, after that first tier that you mentioned, which is, far and away up above the others in this conversation then you then you get into like the luca steph uh maybe even tatum kind of tier uh yeah i would take tatum and luca 
over Booker. If, you know, if you're giving me one guy's season at the beginning of the year. That's an interesting way to look at it, though, is the body of work for the entire season and, and plug that into any any team. Yeah, and, like we were redrafting, and I get what Tatum did this year, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else. Yeah, that's that's the fun thing about the MVP thing is that you can have any different number of criteria and it's all valid. And that's why it's it's such a constant talking point with people because there's no quantitative way to to really describe it. And you, you, you can go off in any any number of directions. And yeah, there's there's ways you can be wrong, but there's there's no one way that's always going to be right. So it's uh, maybe come back to to bite Joel here at, towards the end of it, uh, which is a shame because I know everyone in Philadelphia was really rooting for him to get this award based on everything he's overcome off the court and injury wise and really just blossoming as, as this homegrown, this homegrown talent here that everyone just adores. And I think this would have been a nice culmination of, this era of Sixers basketball to, for him to win an MVP award. But I don't uh, think we have to bury his case yet. Like, you know, there's always a margin for error in these polls. And, you know, we watched the, the national election. One candidate came in with a 34% chance to win and won. So if it looks like it's going to be a long, a long shot, I think he could still win uh, depending on how the last game shake out. I know it doesn't look good right now, but. I've seen yeah. things happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not over, but he was the underdog going into the Detroit game and then the Sixers losing that. And and while he played he played well and led led the game in scoring with 37, he also had the seven turnovers and it it, it, it certainly wasn't a, a crisp Joel game by any means. Uh well, Giannis had eight turnovers in a huge win, so uh <laughs> the end all be all. <laughs> All right. What, how many turnovers did Jokic have? <laughs> I didn't check I that know. one. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, we'll see. It's, you're right. It's not over. He could just have an incredible finishing kick to the season. They could sweep these final six games and have a couple 45 point games thrown in there and, and beat Toronto, which would be, which would be a good win. If not the marquee win on the level of like a Milwaukee, but yeah, that, that could still happen. You're, you're right. I shouldn't completely dismiss it. Um, but yeah, it just, everything seems to be pointing in the other direction right now. So hence my pessimism towards, towards the topic. (laughs) Um, so the other topic I wanted to end on was regarding the team and there's only the the six games left for them in the regular season. We're kind of getting a clear picture of what the standings are going to look like at this stage. It looks like either Milwaukee or Miami will get that one seed, Celtics and Sixers probably three, four in some fashion. And then Chicago and Toronto, the five and six in some order. And then Cleveland, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta are going to be involved in the play. And it would look like barring some extreme winning streaks or losing streaks by, by multiple teams. Um, So with, with all that in mind, where are you hoping that the Sixers settle in what's what's the ideal path for for them in the playoffs in in your opinion well i would hope for the one seed still um basketball reference gives them a 2.4 percent shot at bat 
<laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, because I think I think there's a better than even shot that the Nets end up as the seven. Um, if they finish the season as the seventh, they would host the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think they would win that game. If they don't, they would visit the now banged up Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think they'd be favored either way. So I think right now, if you're asking me to bet, the Nets are the seven, and so the two seed is the one you don't want. And so I'm happy to let one of Miami, Milwaukee, or Boston have that two seed. But if they could somehow get the one, that would be my first choice. After that, my next choice would be the three or the four. Three, uh, where you're playing Chicago, who's trailing the Raptors, would be very nice. Um, Well, Chicago is currently a half game ahead of Toronto still. But yeah, based on how those teams have been playing respectively lately, I, I expect Toronto to make up that half game margin by the end of the season. Right. Just given how close they are and another few games, you think there's a good chance that that could happen here. Um, I prefer the bulls to the Raptors. Um, Although maybe, you know, maybe that's dumb. I don't know if the bulls have some good players, I guess it depends on how healthy Levine is, how they, how they mesh together. Um, but yeah, the safer bet is that Toronto is the better team and they get the five seed, in which case you'd, you'd be happy with that three. It puts you on the road, hypothetically, in a very, very tough series where you'd be an underdog at Miami, uh, at Milwaukee. And in that scenario, I think, I guess you're hoping for Boston, who can still get by round one, but is just not nearly the same team without Time Lord. And you could knock them off and get some rivalry revenge in the playoffs finally. Yeah, that that would be interesting whether or not he could come back by the second round. Um, If he's out, then you obviously like your chances in a Boston series a lot better. But I I think that would be a very difficult series if if he was back at something approaching full strength, um, given the Tatum Brown combo and how thin the Sixers are on the wings. They said four to six weeks from his surgery, which was Thursday, I think. But then I'm not projecting him to be 100% upon return. So yeah, I sure. Think by the set by game one of round two, I think there's a good chance he's not in. Yeah, uh, that's fair. To I, I think it would be very uh, optimistic on a on behalf of Boston to expect him to be at full strength yeah. at the start of the second round. But yeah, so you'd you'd hope you could, I guess, catch them in a second round series, but. I'm not sure how you would, given that, in my opinion, they're 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 both going to end up in the three four in some order. I I don't think either Milwaukee or Miami is going to fall uh, down to a three. But, yeah, that's fair. But we'll see. Um, then you're in Milwaukee for round two, maybe. Yeah. So for for me, the the ideal thing would be the the Bucks getting the one seed. You get you get the three with Chicago finishing as the six so that it's a first round series against Chicago, who the Sixers have absolutely destroyed the season, sweeping that season series. Chicago has no answer for Embiid and beats averaging like 35 a game against them or something. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but that that's a, that's a series you really feel comfortable with. Um, and then second round. Yeah. You'd be on the road against Miami, but I think. Or home against Brooklyn. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or home against Brooklyn. So either way, like we said earlier, that's a tough series and it could go either way and it wouldn't necessarily be 
considered a disappointment if they it would be a disappointment as far as the season outcome but just hey you lost to Miami or Brooklyn in a tough series that's not the end of the world that's you know things things could really go either way in in those situations but I feel a lot better against Miami than I do against Milwaukee Um, like the Heat have Spo coaching them up tremendously well and they have a lot of good depth pieces but like Butler's their their 1A option and he's been shooting the ball really weirdly and poorly the last couple of months so I don't know what's going on there I, I feel a lot more comfortable about that than going up against Giannis who's like at the height of his powers right now um so I yeah I, I feel better about um, I'm a Miami second round series much more so than a Milwaukee one. So yeah, for yeah, me, my that's... best half court option is Tyler hero. You gotta like <laughs> your chances there. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just, you're hoping that like hero Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, like those guys aren't catching fire from three, but if they just have like a normal variance game from the outside, then you're like, you feel pretty good about things. Like Miami's not going to run away from you. Um, but yeah. So that's, so that's my, that's what I'm hoping for in this last two weeks of the season is that the Sixers position themselves in such a way to play Chicago in the first round. And then they, they catch Miami in the second round. That, that would be the, the ideal path for me. My going back to a little bit of what we talked about earlier, my fear is that by round two, we can safely project the Sixers are going to get out coached. And yeah. that opens up some of those scenarios where we're at least wondering about, you know, my, my friend is texting me here. That's why I'm bringing this up. Uh, please talk about Doc Rivers throwing James Harden under the bus after the game. Do you have anything on that? <laughs> uh, so the basically uh, just to kind of set the scene, Doc was asked about the bench and how they didn't have any points in the first half. And I think through three quarters, Shake Milton's had a three and that was the only points for the bench through three quarters. And he was asked like, Hey, what, what do you think about the bench not scoring? Like what can they do more? And he said, it wasn't really their fault. He would put it more on James for not getting them involved. And I think that was fair. Um, Harden was definitely playing a very ISO heavy brand of basketball. There were a lot of possessions where he was kind of dribbling the shot clock out and then settling for some sort of step back jumper. And he hit a couple, but it wasn't a great shooting night. I think he finished five of 15 from the field, if I'm remembering correctly. So Mm -hmm. yeah, not, not a good game for him. Um, And I kind of agree with that assessment from doc. Um, I I think a fair follow-up would be like, Hey, well, you're the coach. Like, what can you do to like change that from happening? Uh, Like you have, you have some say in this. It's not James Harden, out on an island by himself and he has no way of communicating with anyone else for two hours. Like you, you can, you can do, you can make adjustments doc. You can like call a play to, to do something else. Um, but as, as far as that goes, I think he's correct. Um, should he say James's name specifically? I don't know. I don't, I don't know the relationship. I don't know the, like how, how well, you would know better having, having covered him, more more extensively in Brooklyn like how how does Harden typically respond to 
know, like getting called out publicly or, or getting challenged um, by it the didn't coaching staff. In Brooklyn. Steve Nash was, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous cheerleader for his stars after bad games. Nash talked about how sometimes as players, we feel like if you've had an injury where you've missed four months, it's not four months until you're back on the court until you feel comfortable again. So James missed like eight months with his hamstring. So we're giving him a, you know, a big timeline. We're just happy that he was aggressive. That's the kind of thing Steve Nash would say about James Harden's struggle games. And he would mention specifically some injuries. So it was pr- pretty much nothing but support there all publicly. Uh, I know doc, can rub people the wrong way sometimes. I, I don't think what he was saying was James struggled and stunk. I think he was specifically talking about the amount of shots because he was looking at the shot chart when he said it, wasn't he? He was like, well, it's not that they struggled. Most of those, if, we, if I was transcribing it, I would put in parentheses, most of those shots were taken by James because um, I think that's what he was saying. I will defend him there. But on the other side, a couple of games, you have Joel and be very, very frustrated with the way things played out against Milwaukee. He's on the bench for that Giannis run you mentioned. Then you have this where there's at least now the perception publicly and all the aggregators are saying, all the radio shows are talking about, they threw James Harden under the bus. So how's James going to feel about that? Even once Rivers says, hey, you know, I didn't mean it like that. Um, this dude on the ringer, not sure how his name was, Lambry. Um, has said, like, there's some guys on the Sixers. Wozni Lambrey dropped a little inside knowledge. Um, not everyone on the Sixers are feeling it, feeling it. To me, sometimes you can chalk it up to, like, I should be playing more. That's every NBA player, so I'm, like, ignoring this. But he did say some Sixers players, uh, I'm hearing, like, man, guys are not feeling Doc, his rotation, his philosophy, et cetera. So – Foreshadowing if they have a terrible playoff exit where Joel Embiid and James Harden are not 100% behind Doc, that's the scenario where Daryl might say, okay. Well, there's plenty of fans that aren't feeling Doc either with his rotations and uh, schemes and everything else. So it's not shocking that there would be players that weren't feeling it either. Um, There's only so many times that Embiid can go to the bench with a 12 point lead and come back in up two and think, well, something's wrong. Why, why aren't we fixing this? So yeah, I wouldn't blame him if he was a little frustrated and I think his comments were dead on. And the fact, I, I think it took restraint for it, it to take this long for him to say anything about it. So yeah, we'll see. And that, that, that certainly could be foreshadowing later if, uh, the doc buzzards continue to circle and, and there's more noise about it later on. Um, we could definitely point to that later. Yeah. I think if Daryl Morey wanted to change the coach, I think then he'd have to present his case to ownership. We'd have to really uh, back up the brinks to allow them to keep James Harden, pay the luxury tax and then pay two tooth coaches at once for maybe a long time. Cause he's, he'd have another few years remaining on that deal. Yeah, it's it's always tough to make them open the the purse strings and pay pay somebody to not be there. But you know, hey, they they did it with Brett as we discussed earlier. So with Brett coming off the books, maybe they'd be comfortable doing it again. Um, we'll see. They weren't paying luxury tax then, right? It'd be a double ask now. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, they they have it. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's it, they're not they're not sweating it in the big picture, but uh, 
yeah no yeah one, that's a good point I'm, I'm sure they they don't want to if it can be avoided but you hear that steve Ballmer would do it <laughs> <laughs> exactly um all right well that that, that 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 kind of talks kind of premature we'll see how how things shake out um and hopefully we can we can kind of laugh about it later and the Sixers won't disappoint relative to expectations, but just been a tough week. Uh, this currently in the midst of a, this three game slide, but they have a, a matinee against Charlotte tomorrow. And then right back. Oh, at it oh in Cleveland. another quick one for you. Do you tank that game? Do you rest that game? Because that could push Brooklyn down to the ninth seed where they could be one and done single game elimination. <laughs> not, not tank but do you rest james Harden, for um, example? and then kind of go all out to win the cleveland game yeah you know letting charlotte win pushes the nets back because they're both vying for the eighth seed a seed if you win your first playing game you're in the seventh seed the ninth you have to win two games just to advance if you lose one you're done yeah um maybe if they hadn't blown the detroit game i'd be a little more uh, ex- accepting of the idea of maybe resting a guy or two in, in Charlotte. But right, right now you've lost three straight. You had that just awful, awful loss in Detroit. I, I don't think you can do anything but put your best foot forward tomorrow and try to try to end the skid because I, I think you just got to, you, you got to get in front of it. Now you can't, you can't let this continue. You, you just got to reestablish yourself as, as a dominant team as soon as possible and, and yeah. not let, not let these feelings linger. Yeah, I think I agree. But yeah, that's, I, I didn't realize the, uh, the Charlotte pushing ahead of Brooklyn angle. <laughs> that's, that's some three dimensional chess there, <laughs> but yeah. So Charlotte Saturday and then Cleveland right back at it in Cleveland on Sunday. So Hopefully uh, they can have a good weekend and we can put, put this past week in the rear view mirror, but uh, yeah, we'll see. But Dave, I'm sorry. It wasn't a more positive podcast this week, but I guess we had, we had banked too many of those. This, this was bound to happen eventually. So uh, thanks yeah, for, thanks for getting through with me. <laughs> to. Thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, and where can everybody uh, find, find you on the internet and uh, your work? Uh, of the social medias, I'm on the Bird app. You can find me on Twitter at David Early, spelled as is. All right. Um, is what's the temperature like? I know you do the Brooklyn coverage right before we before we go. I'll just ask you real quick. Um, are they, are they worried about a playing game situation, or are they just uber confident right now that hey, we got the best two players in the court. We'll just take care of business. I haven't heard a tremendous amount of fear that they're going to drop to the nine or 10 and lose their first game and just be out of the playoffs. I don't think many fans are thinking that way. I think there's too much confidence. Um, If they, if they lost, if they did drop down and they lost, then obviously be DEFCON one in New York in Brooklyn. But right now I think they're thinking the path to the finals would be so, so, so hard. It would be. Yeah. I mean, that's the case for, anyone in the East right now uh, th- there are slightly easier paths than others, but it- it's all pretty tough. Um, at least once you reach the, se- you-, you can luck into a, an easier first round matchup, but once you reach the second round, there's, 
there's not going to be anything handed to you. So, but yeah, but to have to win a play-in and then go to Miami or Milwaukee to begin, and then you're at the other two top teams. Uh, whereas, like, if you were the Heat and you dodge the Nets in round one, you're you only have two really hard series, and you get to host them both. A big difference. Yep, for sure. So, we'll see what takes place in these last two weeks. A lot of, I, I know we kind of slotted things in as more or less foreground conclusions to a certain extent, but there's still still a lot that can happen. Great, crazy things can happen. Um, so we'll see what takes place. Dave, James thanks. Harden can still win Finals MVP. <laughs> he could. That's, that's yeah. It's not, it's not still impossible. In, still on the table. Yep. And but Joel Embiid could win MVP. Also. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Dave, thanks again for joining, and for everyone else out there. I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, slightly more optimistic view on all things Sixers. But enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games this weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the (laughs) No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.